Hello and welcome to the Happier at Work podcast with your host, Aoife O'Brien. The podcast for anyone who wants to be happier at work. We spend so much of our time at work. Everyone deserves to be happier at work. Hello everyone and a happy new year to you. 2020, new decade and new year. Now I've taken a little bit of a break from doing the podcast because I've been sick for the last few weeks and you can probably still hear it in my voice. Um, So I've taken a little bit of a break. I recorded this podcast episode in November and I'm just getting around to editing and updating it now. And today's podcast guest is Jason Cooper. So we started by talking about authenticity and we ended up covering lots and lots of different topics and had a really, really great conversation. So we started with one thing and the conversation sort of meandered and I picked up on whatever he was talking about that I thought might be of interest to you. And we sort of took it from there. So I'm calling this Jason Cooper on how to improve your performance. So welcome, Jason, to the Happier at Work podcast. Would you like to introduce yourself to our listeners? Yes, of course. Uh, My name's Jason Cooper. As you can probably tell from my accent, I'm not Irish. I'm very English. I've been in Ireland for the last uh, 15 years um, and originally from just from the outskirts of North London. So um, what brought me over here was uh, an Irish lady, which is great. And ever since I got married and two kids and being mortgaged up to the eyeballs, as we all are. Um, for myself, uh, I've been in sales and marketing for the last 20 years in various disguises. Uh, worked in tech startups, um, worked in corporate. And over the last three and a half years or so, um, worked as a coach as a mind coach, um, as a sales coach, and as a sales trainer, but working from a slightly different point of view, which I'll probably discuss a little bit more in detail as we go on. Great. It sounds like a rich and varied uh, career history anyway. It's uh, been quite eclectic is the right word to be using. It's fairly uh, varied, but uh, it's been a, a sort of a learning craft as as I've gone on through my career and now where I see myself uh, in the late 40s um, I want to sort of give back a little bit but do it in a sort of uh, an authentic trustworthy way and build effective communication back to people so that they can help grow and build their success but helping people find their own success in whichever way that is because everyone's motivated as we all know in slightly different ways. Absolutely. So something you mentioned there, um, Jason, is about being authentic and authenticity. So what does that mean to you? So authentic is um, based on my my history. I've I've seen so many people not being themselves and clouding themselves by ego. But really, when they look inside themselves, uh, they're not being their true selves. So being authentic is me, for me, is being your true self. Being um, someone that you're not is not being authentic. Um, there's lots of authenticity is being thrown around too many times, but I think it's uh, the meaning of it is, as I say, is being your true self, making people understand where you're coming from, but being real about it as well. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. And you're, you're so right. It is something that that seems to be bandied around a lot, like bringing your your authentic self to work and, and things like that. How how can people be more authentic? Well, what I what I've been doing over the last few years really is to understand authenticity, but also I, I teach it to salespeople. Um, what I, what I like to do is really to understand the science behind it. Uh, and really understand how the brain works. So if, if you can give a clear indication how people like people like themselves, um, there's a thing in, in our brain called the mirror neurons. So when you get on with someone, you can build up rapport with them. So it's our tribal instinct so that we get on with our tribe and we have to like and learn to like them. But being authentic is teaching people that 
you know, we are a little bit vulnerable at times and some, it resonates with the other person when you are a little bit vulnerable. But being not overly vulnerable that uh, everyone's going against you, but being a little bit vulnerable, so it resonates with the other person. They can see that you're a normal being. You're not Superman and we're, none of us are super people. We might think of it in our own heads, but, you know, we all have our highs and we all have our lows if you can explain that in a sort of an articulate way to communicate that to the other person, they can see that and it resonates with them. So you're being trustworthy. You're also being uh, a little bit vulnerable, but you're also showing the true side of you. Does that make sense? And people like that within business, like you, they need to see the highs. They also need the lows, but also need to see how you've coped with that by getting out through the other side and you worked that out from yourself. So that's my, my version of how, how I see being, being this way, this type of person. Yeah. Does that make sense? I hope, that, I hope that comes across well. Yeah, yeah, no, it makes total sense. And I, I have definitely seen that. I know Brene Brown talks an awful lot about vulnerability and it, it makes you seem, like you say, less of a superhero and more human and much easier to relate to as well. But I Mm -hmm. suppose the struggle, especially in business, you know, it's one thing to say you can show your vulnerability in your personal life, but when it comes to business, it's it's a little bit more of a struggle to demonstrate that level of vulnerability and say that you like maybe as a leader or as a manager, you don't necessarily have all the answers. So are there any tips that you have for bringing a bit more authenticity and vulnerability into work? Yeah, there's a lot, lots of things that you can, you can do, especially if you're a leader, because you, you have to be shown to be, we all know leading from the front, but we also have to be leading from the back and we also have to be pushing people to the forwards and steering the ship, but steering a ship as a collective. Because if you want to use an analogy of a, a, a captain of a ship, like we're all based and we're all sitting on the ship at the same time. We're crashing through the waves, which is a metaphor for having some challenges along the way. And then we ride the waves going up and we all do this together in the same time, in the same place. And we ride the waves, uh, the seas going down. But to show true leadership is to not know it all. And again, I go back to being um, sort of trustworthy and showing a little bit of vulnerability and getting other people to sometimes lead the way. But you steer the ship and let other people see that I don't know it all. Because you don't know it all. If you can put some trust in other people along the way, they will help and support you and build yourself up. That's why Richard Branson shows he's not the, he shows vulnerability all the time. He shows that I don't know it all, but he surrounds himself by people that are smarter and cleverer than him, but they all look at him and uh, see how well he grows. Because you can see the vulnerability in Richard Branson, because he's that sort of person. And you can see the trials and tribulations that he has had along the way, but he's still out there focused and leading the way forward. Does that help and answer some of of the questions that I've, uh, I've described? Absolutely. Yeah. Now, one thing you mentioned there, Jason, was about putting trust in other people. And that's another interesting topic in in the workplace context as well. And I suppose it's thinking about, well, how how do we learn to trust other people or how do we build it up over time? Or is that something that's automatic? Um. The way I like to look at it and uh, what I've been installed for many years by my parents and my grandfather is people like people that they can trust. They like authenticity because that builds back into trust and we've said that already. But if you're going out there doing everything and, uh, and saying, no, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong, you're not building that trust back into those people that are highly educated, very clever, we're all extremely clever, Everyone has their own opinions on things, but it's to trust in other people to get on and do their job and not micromanage people, but to trust them that they can engage back in with you and know that you're open-minded and give good logical 
uh, feed back, but uh, the way I like to call it is feed forward. So you're feeding forward, even though we do make some, uh, we all make errors at points in time, but feed forwarding is uh, something that I learned from Marshall Goldsmith is to state everything into the positive and also give areas that they can say, this is where you can actually improve on going forward. But you're stating everything into the future as opposed yeah. to stating the past. Because yeah. it's all about growing and having a growth mindset so we can all see okay, this is what's happened now, that's fine, but you can learn from that and move forward. So that's giving a little bit of trust back into uh, the person, but it also builds uh, um, oxytocin, which is a, a brain chemical, which builds in uh, trust between two people. And oxytocin is a chemical from, I don't know if you have kids or not, but it's that initial from a mother, daughter, son, when the, the child is brought into the world, you have that trusting process that the baby adores you and you adore the, the baby but this chemical goes in line in line when we go into business we build and support people that we trust and trust and like great i loved what you said about the whole idea of feed forward so i have heard that term before and i i just love the concept because oftentimes when we are delivering feedback as it's commonly known so feedback or whether we're receiving feedback it tends to be you know on the defensive and it tends to be something that we think of as bad but really it's the purpose of it is to help us to progress and to help us to improve and like you say it's about having this growth mindset so that you take on board what you're receiving and um you know the, the signals that you're getting and the messages that you're getting so that you can perform better the next time and it's about focusing Absolutely. on the positive side of things, like you said, rather than the negative and, and for it to be really, really constructive so you can do things differently the next time you go to do it and very much future focused. Absolutely. And it, 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 it's been proven again and again to be the right positive way to make the other person feel good, but also make them think about what, they, um, what the challenge actually might be or what the situation might be in that particular instance so feed forward is a really good productive way it does depend on the person so some other people within a work contest they might not see it that way so then you might have to use um, um, a, a different approach but i i find majority of the time that will that approach does work but you have to vary it depending we all know the personality types and the different people some people work off stress, which motivates them and anchors them to go forward. Well, this is it. There are some people who take on board, you know, any feedback or feed forward that they're getting. Mm -hmm. And there are some people who just don't. And, you know, is that really, is that what, what the difference is between, say, a growth mindset and a fixed mindset? So someone with a fixed mindset thinks that they're, that there's, that they can't improve whether they're performing well or performing poorly. They just, they're stuck in this way and any feedback that they're given is not going to have an impact. Yeah, I, I think so. Some, um, I have a sort of a, a, a take on this. Um, you know, if you have two magnets, so you turn one magnet around and it sticks to the positive negative uh, and it, and, and it works that way. Yeah. But if you put, positive and positive together it it uh it doesn't stick yeah they so, propel each other yeah they propel each other so if you have too much positivity in life i think sometimes if you give too much positivity it does the reverse effect and the polarities will push away because the other person will go hang on why are you giving me too much you give me too much but sometimes if you give negative to a positive it anchors people and propels them to move forward. You don't do it all the time, but you have to anchor it in a way that they can see it and they resonate with them and it pushes them to propel them to move forward in, in a good positive way. So it sounds like a negative thing, but what you are doing is sort of negative positive, but you bring them up at the same time. So we take it from a negative, but it's taken from a negative to what we'd like to think to do depending on the personality type, 
is to propel them forward so they get out of that negative state and push them forward to being anchored into a positive state. So they are moving away from fear. They are moving away from an area that they don't want to be in. You don't do this all the time, but it does depend on the personality type. Does that make sense? Hopefully that's a little bit clearer. Yeah, yeah. No, I get you. Um, Now, something else I... I noticed you, uh, a word you're using was anchoring. And I know I haven't done NLP myself yet, um, but I know that it is a term that's used in NLP. So can you explain a little bit more when you're talking about anchoring? What, it, what do you mean by that? Okay, so anchoring uh, from an NL point, NLP point of view uh, and in other ways of life, it's, it's to create a feeling or sense of urgency, or sense in something, to make it resonate with you. So you're anchoring, um, a lot of NLP is based around the five senses. Uh, We all know what the five senses are. Some people have a sixth sense, apparently. Um, So you're anchoring a feeling based around something that you're moving towards, or you're moving away from. So I'm moving, you could be in that um, analogy, is I'm moving away from fear but I could be moving towards fear just to push myself into a state or feeling of feeling bad or feeling of feeling good. So if I want a good state, what I might use is my physiology is you've probably heard of if you sit back and arch your back and put your head up high and put your shoulders back and you breathe really powerfully, that's anchoring you to in a really good state of feeling really good. Or things like doing, uh, what is it, the, the Superman pose and the Wonder Woman pose and, yeah. and things like well, that. Yeah, that's a great analogy for anchoring yourself into a good state. So there's lots of other pl- things that you can do to anchor yourself into a good state. Or put people in, if, if they want to be anchored from a, a negative state to a positive state, that also works as well. It de- does depend on where the person is at. And you work out their physiology when you can actually see the person or if you hear the tone or the tonality of how they're speaking, you can soon work out where they actually are and use their language to push them back into a good positive place. It does take a little bit of time, but there's lots of things that you can do to get them back on track. And uh, you were saying that, you know, that you can help other people to do that. Can people help themselves to do this? And if so, what kind of things can they do and in what situations? Um, there's a post that I put out this morning uh, on Napoleon Hill. Um, he wrote a book about a hundred years ago, Think Rich, Grow Rich. Yeah. Um, chapter three, there's a, um, what he, one of the main things that he uh, discovered while doing his research, and it's proven to be true again and again and again, is positive visualization. You know, either do it with your eyes closed or your eyes open, makes no difference. Um, Positive visualization is to think about either a time and a place that you felt really good when you was going into that meeting, Um, have good vivid pictures in your mind about things going well, and breathe as if you are doing the Superman pose, see what you'd see at the end of it and things going well. Um, So really good uh, visualization techniques is one really good, powerful state and place to be in, especially if you're going for an interview, especially if you're going for a meeting, or especially if you're presenting to a large audience of people, or you're going into a meeting and you're a little bit uh, unsure about what you want to do and say, so if you rehearse it in your mind as if it's been actually had happened so you're forward pacing it to the future but seeing it already been done and seeing how well and successful it's been done i use that technique all the time and it's never failed me so that's one thing you can do there's many other things that you can do but it's it's been around for thousands of years that's one thing that you control in your mind what i might suggest if you're on your own doing it um Record yourself on your phone, speak yourself doing that procedure and listen to it before you go into something which is a little bit unnerving. 
So that's one of the areas that you can do, or just practice it, practice it, practice it until you can actually get a good grasp of it. There's thousands of YouTube clips on that sort of visualization techniques. So that's one of many. So it could be used, for example, if you're going into an important client meeting, if you're delivering Absolutely. a presentation, doing public speaking, going for an important meeting with your boss, maybe as well. Absolutely. All of that uh, and more. If you're going into an interview or you're going into a, a crisis meeting, but you really want to make sure that you come across in a good, positive way and you come across it in uh, the best possible sense. So if you mentally rehearse it in your mind of everything going well. My analogy on this is, we're speaking on a computer today, but imagine this, the, the computer is your brain. So whatever you type into your brain, the computer will find the answer. We've got a massive uh, computer in our brain. So whatever we say to ourselves, the, the, we will find the answer. So whether that's positive or negative, if we say negative stuff, the more likely that is to come true and more likely that is when you type it in, it will appear on the screen exactly the same as when you say positive stuff to, to yourselves. The so if I'm saying something to myself like, oh, this meeting is going to go really badly. I'm not good enough. Why do yep. they hire me? Um, I'm going to forget all my words when I go to deliver the presentation. The clients are going to turn me down. They're going to say no. Uh, all of those kind of things and the brain I suppose wants to be right yep absolutely finds a way to make those things true absolutely and uh, was it Henry Ford if you believe you're right or if you believe you're wrong then you're right yeah I think, I think that was the same if, but it's, if it's, you believe you can or believe you can't you're right that's it, that's it. Yeah. see I got it wrong so you got it right so <laughs> but you believe so, you got it right <laughs> and it's to Catch yourself and when you're in those situations, sometimes we can't help our brains going freestyle sometimes and we all do it at times and it's to catch yourself and to stop yourself and then do positive affirmations or whatever it is that you need to do to get yourself out that, that place and that state. I find myself, if I'm in a negative place and we all get it, is I go out and walk in nature or park or by the sea. I'm lucky enough there's a park quite close to where I am. So sometimes I, I take a walk over there and uh, see the air and see the trees and a bit of greenery. That really helps um, refresh the brain. And then, then I'm just happy to get back at everything with a, a, clear, a clear head. Yeah, being in nature definitely helps. And um, one thing as well I've started using is an egg timer. I think I bought it in uh, in Flying Tiger or what that oh, place. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just an egg, a simple egg timer that you can flip over. I'm not even sure how long it lasts. It'd be a few minutes. And that gives me, okay, so you're in this negative space. And like you say, it's just about catching, being aware and catching yourself with these negative thoughts. I flip over the egg timer and I say, right, you can be as negative, you can wallow in self-pity, you can feel sorry for yourself, you can be angry, you can you know, experience all of these negative emotions. But as soon as that last grain of sand falls through that egg timer, then that's it. It's time to switch it off and then you, you know, back to positive thinking and, and all of that. So it kind of helps me to get it out of my system. Another thing that you can do is uh, think of a brain dump. Uh, something that I learned um, a while back from uh, a mentor of mine, Owen Fitzpatrick. And what a brain dump is, is first thing in the morning, is you write everything down, negative, positive, all your thoughts, everything that you want to clear off your head, you write it down, you write it down, you write it down, and you just fill up the page, and it's done. It's out your system turn the piece of paper over, screw it up, put it in the bin, whatever. It's, it's out of your head. Once you write stuff down, you're obviously verbalizing it in your head, but you've written it down and then you don't have to think about it anymore. So it's gone. So it's a really good practical psychological trick to just make you move on forward. And I, I do this from time, just write everything down, what, what, it, what, it, what it is, and then just get rid of it and then move on. That's, one of, yeah, one of that's a really great that's a really great practical tip to take because oftentimes 
you know, especially when it comes to work, we tend to get very overwhelmed and there's lots of ideas floating around in our head or lots of thoughts going on. And it's like just to get it down on paper. And like you say, even if you're crumpling it up or burning it when you're finished, it's it's out of your head. It's that. Mm. Um, and I don't even know how it happens. Like you say, it's a psychological thing that happens by physically writing it down and it doesn't work if you're if you're typing it or if you're putting it into your phone or anything like that it's physically writing it down with a pen and paper it absolutely just has to get it out yeah it, it's, it's it's a good practical exercise to do every now and again when you're feeling a little bit overwhelmed you to put it on paper and a brain dump is really to clear your head and to refocus yourself on the task or the tasks at hand or just to focus on the one thing um, the, the thing with our brains now, as you already know, is um, back in the day where we were uh, knocking down dinosaurs, I'm not sure whether we were around by the dinosaurs, but uh, <laughs> if saber-toothed tigers or whatever, and we were going out and hunter and gatherers and we went out to get food, we'd focus on one thing, one task at a time. So we'd go off and kill the animal or we'd scarper, but we were focusing on just the one thing because we're hungry we'll get the animal in we'll kill it we'll cook it up we'll then we'll focus on the skin we'll make clothing out of the skin and then we'll make tools out of the bones and, and we'll focus on one task at a time then to keep ourselves warm and whatever else nowadays we're still our, our brains haven't hasn't progressed that much further on but we get overwhelmed with lots and lots of things happening at the same time and it's how we process one thing at an, and another, at another, at another, because we can't multitask because our brain just gets overloaded. And the neocortex, which is the main functioning part of the brain, just gets overloaded with data and information and too much. And in the end, we can't think strategically or logically. But when you just focus on the one task at a time, and then the next task, you do those ones exceptionally well. But I'm okay. really intrigued by what you said about um this whole idea of multitasking because i know that's definitely something i suffer from and some people think that they can multitask and the reality is you can't do you want to talk a little bit more about why we can't multitask and maybe how to how to stop or or what you know some practical tips around moving away from multitasking and focusing just on one task at a time Look, we all get uh, pushed into situations, especially when we're in the workplace. Uh, our bosses are given us that task and then our team are given that task and then we're given that. And before we know it, we're so overwhelmed that we don't do any of them or we do them all badly. So the process that I use um, is to chunk the information. What do you want to do at the end of the day? How would you like your day to appear like? You have all your processes and all your tasks written down and then you focus on one task. So, uh, some, uh, an app that I use, and I just have to remind myself what it's called, bear with me, Brain Focus, uh, an app on Android system. And what that allows me to do is do everything in 25-minute chunks. So I do 25 minutes. It gives me five minutes to... Um, walk around the office or get a coffee and then I'm focused back onto the task at hand or that task or that specific task and then if that task has given me allotted 25 minutes to do then I'm done so I have to finish that task in 25 minutes and then I focus on the next 25 minutes and after the two hour period it gives me 25 minutes to get a cup of tea have a chat uh, uh, de-chunk my brain a little bit and then I get focused back onto the task again so that's how I would work um, so brain focus is the app that I use but there's plenty of others out there just helps me to focus and gives me a little bit of uh, organization where I need to go and the tasks that I need to do throughout the day so just focus on that one particular task I really if, uh, really yeah, I mean, I, I really like the idea of that. And especially if you're on a timer, it puts that little bit of pressure because oftentimes, well, I know for me anyway, if I have a deadline that's quite far away, I'm not really thinking about what needs to be done. But if you break it down into the smaller tasks that need to be done, 
whether that's into the 25 minute chunks or multiples of 25 minutes, it puts mm -hmm. more pressure on, I need to get this amount of work done in that 25 minutes. Absolutely. It, it, it puts a sense of urgency on it. Um, and I'm doing a, um, a university course at the moment to help me in other areas of my life. But um, I'm writing an assignment at the moment. I did the first one okay, but I was getting too close to the time. Now I'm using this app uh, again. I've got another uh, 10 days to finish my second part of the assignment. And it's helping me a uh, little bit of focus. The other thing is switch off that social media rubbish on your phone, switch off all emails. Uh, and if you need to do stuff, which is has to take priority over everything else, switch off everything like that, your phone, smartphone. If I'm working from home, I hide my phone uh, somewhere else in the house so I don't get distracted. So if I know it's in the room or if I know it's nearby, the, 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 uh, the habits in my head, uh, starts to look for the phone. So the phone is uh, the, probably one of the worst uh, distractions out there. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, it's just too easy to be like, oh, I got a notification and you want to check the notification or you haven't got any notifications and you want to click into the app to make sure it's still working. It's, yeah, it's um, the dopamine hits that you get from even receiving an email, which is that likable thing that you're, or if you got to, you posted something else on social media, you're checking for the likes because that gives you an instant dopamine hit in, in the brain and makes you feel good for a couple of minutes. It's like drinking a cup of coffee. You feel good for 15 minutes and then you go to all the sugar rush or whatever it might be. So it's, uh, it's, it, they are an incredible device, but sometimes they're, they're, they're too much. So out of sight, out of mind, the way I look at it. Yeah. No, it's a good approach. And, you know, I've heard different things where, people lock them away, but they give someone else, or someone else locks it away for them and they have the key or they have the combination of the lock or something where they actually physically can't access their phones for X amount of time or they change the password on it or there's all sorts of tips and tricks to stop us using our phones, which is really great. Yeah, and it's all to do with productivity as well. Like yeah. in, in the workspace or if you're working for yourself, it's no distractions around you. Sometimes I work in town. I have um, hot desks that I, I use. Sometimes I work from home. So it depends on how I feel at that particular time, whether I want to take the journey into town uh, and then be surrounded by people, which is also good for the soul, or you just want to focus and uh, get on with what you're doing. But avoid the distractions. It takes a, a, a good mindset to when you're working at home because you've got the Hoover, the house that needs cleaning and yeah. uh, uh, you've got the dishwasher that needs to be unpacked or packed or the washing to be done. So avoid all distractions and treat it like a business day. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's the old adage of your house has never been so clean as when you have <laughs> something that's really urgent and, and difficult to do, whether it's a college assignment or a big project at work. You know, your house has never looked cleaner because... You're procrastinating so much. Yeah, yeah, this, uh, the big procrastinator which looms over your head. And uh, I've always been taught to get the worst things done in the morning, the hardest things that you could possibly do, top load them, them up. If it's phone calls that you need to make or if it's assignment needs writing or it's proposal that needs writing or invoices needs, whatever the hardest thing is for the day, get those done and out the way with first. and then the rest of the day is going to be slightly easier. That's it. Eat the frog. Isn't that what Brian Tracy calls it? Yes. Eat the frog. Yes. The yes frog. Make sure that's done and out of the way. So, yeah. Uh, so Jason, something that has kind of come up a lot recently, or at least starting to resonate a lot more with me is this whole idea of just taking a bit of time out for planning. And by that, I mean, you know, when you're extremely busy and you're feeling overwhelmed and you really don't have the time to take out and you don't want to take the time because you're so busy doing stuff that you can't see a way out. And, you know, I've obviously heard this before that you need to plan and you need to take time. But this is just like, that's the most crucial time to do it is to take a step away and think about everything that you have on your list, whether it's doing a brain dump, whether it's thinking about, well, what are my priorities out of everything that I am trying to do? 
And going back to what you said earlier about doing one thing at a time and mm -hmm. also focusing on things that are really important rather than, than just things that seem like they're urgent. Of course. I, I, I think planning is probably the, the most critical factors in any business, really. And, and to be effective, uh, planning your time, because we know that's the, the biggest resource that we have um, is to be effective in the time that we do have uh, on your business or if you're in a business uh, and I've been in both so I understand both sides of it it's plan to be effective but plan to be successful and what's the best use of your time but within that planning and uh, you've got to do uh, proposals and uh, emails back to people and whatever you need to do but I think you also need to plan for your own um, fitness and your own well-being and your own um, uh, your own time as well to not think about the business but to think about other things as well which are equally as important to you personally and professional because I, I find when I've been doing coaching the business and your personal life they do cross over all the time as you probably will know by being, uh, being in coaching as well. So they Absolutely. do cross over. So I think you've got to plan for that as well. So it's really planning your own well-being, so that you, and this is a big thing for me as well. And I have spoken about it on the podcast before it's scheduling in breaks. So scheduling Absolutely. a proper lunch, not just having a quick bite to eat and then back to the laptop. It's actually taking a proper break. As you mentioned earlier, going out for a walk in the park, touching, you know, touching base with nature or whatever you want to call it, but just getting out, getting out of your head, getting out of, you know, really clearing some space and looking after yourself. Because I know Absolutely. certainly as soon as I took a break on my last holiday, I got sick because for that exact reason, I wasn't giving myself enough breaks and I just got sick, really. It's, it, it can happen like that. And uh, I, for me, I, I like um, over the last year, I focused one of part of my plan in and part of my target is to get ultra fit. I was fit before, but now I've just stepped it up a little bit. Now I'm doing a lot of trail running uh, with a club on a Wednesday evening and a Saturday. So we run over uh, where the Hellfire Club is. So we do a lot of cardio running around that. And that's just the most, that's just changed my focus, my aspect, because I'm running it around uh, where there's no roads or traffic lights or cars or anything. So I'm just running in nature, which I love doing. Yeah. So that really helps me. Um, get back and focus and makes me feel really good about myself plus of being healthy and fit and that changes the, the, the focus of my head and then when I get back to work I'm just drilling down to it because I have that behind me and it's also the mindset and resilience and everything else you have to use your mind mindset because sometimes your, your body might be saying uh, uh hang on a minute we're not going up here again are we and your heart's coming out your mouth but your brain is the one that's taking over and going, you can do this. You can just focus on doing this. So that's one of my goals. And that helps me with my work during the day. That's what I did wonder. So to me, if, if you know, and I have this written down in my, I have a little notebook um, for my master's and make, making notes about the, what, a, you know, potential areas to explore in a bit more detail, especially in regards to the dissertation that I'm doing. But one thing I did think of was if you are doing elite sports or really difficult things, and like you say, it is all about your mindset. So if you mm. can train your mind or, or whatever you want to call it, but if you believe in yourself and if you can overcome those obstacles and say, well, like, well my heart is beating out of my mouth and I definitely can't do this. But then if you can switch it up and say, no, I can do this. How, what impact does that have then when it comes to business, working on your business or working in someone else's business? Like, does that have an impact? Oh, it has, it has a huge, massive impact. For me now is because I, I, I teach and coach um, and I teach the resilience and how, how to actually see resilience, especially in your business context. You have to layer it back down so that they, people can actually understand what resilience actually is and what that means to them as an individual. Again, what uh, so it's 
business, uh, I've co-founded two businesses myself. Uh, it can be a challenge at times, but you have to step out of the situation and see back into the situation so you can see it from a sort of a holistic point of view. But nothing's easy really in this world, but you have to, you have to sometimes take a breath and move out of the situation and look, look down on it as well as if you're stepping out of the bubble and looking in. Sort of taking more of an objective view or a helicopter yeah. view of the situation that you find yourself in. Absolutely. So um, something I learned from when I was in, um, I, I was consultant for a company about four years ago, went to San Francisco with this company and we were angel funding and we were working with a mentor out there. And we were working with all the, the big American companies like Citrix, IBM and uh, you name it. But the mentor actually said, when you're brainstorming ideas, is you, you've probably heard of thinking outside the box sort of strategy uh, when you look out and, and you're looking in. But he suggested is to think inside the, the box strategy and stretching the ideas inside the realms of where your business is as much as you can till you've exhausted every single idea. But that's within the realms of the, the original idea. So you're stretching the idea as much as you can. So it just flipped it on its head from out of the box thinking to in the box thinking. It's just another way of looking and thinking of things and stretching the ideas as much as you can. Yeah. I'll share with you with that because I thought of it. Uh, it's, it's, it worked for me and I really saw the practical applications of it. I haven't actually heard that term before, thinking inside the box, only in the context of think outside the box. And that's what most people say is, oh, you need to think outside the box. But I love this idea of thinking inside the box where you're, like you say, exhausting the ideas that you currently have, but it's all within the realms of what the, you know, what the, whether it's what the capabilities are or what the business focus actually is. Absolutely. And it's uh, just a different way of thinking of things because... Uh, you hear it so many times, think outside the box, think outside the box, which is great. And you do do that. But exhaust the ideas that you do have inside the realms or inside the box or however you want to describe it. Um, talking about all the, the applications that you can actually have on it. So whether it's in your personal, personal life, you stretch the ideas within your personal life of what you want to do and your aspirations in, within your life, uh, within your professional life, or within the realms, within the products or services that you're offering, you stretch the ideas or the approach that you want to give, whichever it might be, whatever it might look and feel like to yourself on your products and services or whatever it could be. So uh, it's just a different take on it. Wonderful. So I'm just conscious of time here, Jason, and I of wondered course. if you had any more tips for people to improve their performance at work. For people to improve their performance at work is... Get on with people, trust, as we, I'm just probably going to reiterate what we've already said, but it's to be yourself as much as you can be within the realms. Treat people how you would like to be treated yourself. Um, speak to people as if it's your favorite nana. Uh, see people through their own eyes of you. Um, have effective body language. Um, speak with passion. Another good thing to do is smile a lot. Something that I like to do is smile a lot because that just makes you feel a bit, a bit better in life. It's, it's something that can take you forward through most situations in life and within your business context. I like that idea of smiling. I'm smiling right now. But someone said to me years ago, and it still stuck with me, if you're speaking on the phone with someone, they can hear it in your voice if you're smiling. Absolutely. And I, and I just... I'm aware of it. When I'm speaking to someone on the phone, I smile and they can hear it in your voice. Absolutely. That's something that I've taught uh, to sales reps is you know, in a big call center is um, I put mirrors in front of the dividing screens. And the reason I do that is they can, they can see themselves, they're not checking themselves out, but they can see themselves on the phone. So when they are smiling on the phone, there's some sort of psychological um, wave that goes and resonates through to the other person because you can hear it in their voices. Mm. So that's something else I'd always give back to people is put a mirror up 
or see yourself smiling or when you're on the phone, look at yourself in the mirror and smile a lot because it's contagious. Yeah, absolutely. Great. So the question I ask everyone who comes on the podcast, what makes you happier at work? Um, being surrounded by honest motivation, motivational people that inspire me to move forward. I, I need to be inspired. Everyone's slightly different, but for me, I need to be highly motivated. I need to be surrounded by motivated people that are all going to the same common goal. Love it. Brilliant. And if people want to find out more about you, Jason, if you have any events coming up uh, in particular that you want to give a call out to, if people want to find out more about what it is that you do, how would they go about finding out more about you? Well, the way I look at it, LinkedIn is my number one. If you look on for Jason Cooper on LinkedIn, you'll definitely find me. Um, I'm highly connected, um, but there's lots of uh, things on there about what I do. I have a website that does need updating, by the way, but it's jasoncooper.ie, and it does say all the coaching that I do and deliver. Um, I'm looking at putting some workshops together for January 2012, but it's really to do with goal setting, mindset, um, language, language patterns, body and physiology to really propel you to go forward. So I'm thinking about something for January just in a really positive way because everyone seems to think January is the, 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 the darkest month of the year, but it should be the brightest month of the year. Wonderful. Yeah. January 2020. I think you said 2012. But oh, I, I, did I, I, I'm not sure what year I'm in at the moment. Exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we're coming to the end of a decade and the start of a new one, which I, I know. I, 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 I meant 2020. Yes. Yes. That's it. Well, thanks very much for your time today, Jason. I really, really enjoyed our chat and I hope you did too. I did. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And uh, I might have gone a little bit off script at times, but I, I absolutely love the, the free flowing of conversation. So really appreciate everything that you've asked me to say today. And uh, it's been a pleasure. Brilliant. Thank you. Well, there you have it. That was Jason Cooper, all about how to improve your performance at work. And it really was a great conversation. I just wanted to recap on some of the things that we discussed. So we started off by talking about authenticity and what that really means is being true to yourself, being true to who you really are and showing that little bit of vulnerability enables us to build a rapport with other people. It creates a sense of trustworthiness between people and it shows the true side of who you are. It makes you look like less of a superhero and more of a human to other people. It makes you more relatable. In order to become a more effective leader, you might show that level of vulnerability by saying that you don't know it all. And he shared the example of Richard Branson. He doesn't have all the answers, but he surrounds himself with people who can help him and who do have the answers. We also spoke about feed forward. So using feed forward instead of feedback. So rather than reflecting on what has happened in the past, and it's about looking to the future and having that growth mindset and taking on board what, what didn't work, but taking it with the perspective that looking forward into the future, what will you do differently in the future uh, in order to have a different result, in order to improve? And the thing with feedback and feed forward is that the whole purpose of it is to help you to improve your performance. And, you know, a lot of people have this negativity associated with feedback, especially. And it's about building on that and saying, well, what is this? You know, what is it trying to teach me? What can I learn from this? He suggested a really powerful tool of visualization, which he mentioned is in Napoleon Hill's book, Think and Grow Rich. So whether it's with your eyes open or whether it's with your eyes closed, picturing in your head how a situation is going to turn out. Another really practical tip as well is the brain dump. So when you wake up in the morning, just getting everything out on paper and how much better that really makes you feel. Just getting it out there, getting your thoughts onto paper. We spoke as well about multitasking and 
how it really leads to a lot of overwhelm. And I know I'm guilty of this. I get distracted by things. I try and do too many things at once. And what really helps is to chunk things down. And Jason spoke about having chunking it down into specific time frames. So allowing yourself, say, 25 minutes at a time because that's how your brain works at its optimum. Say, take 25 minutes. I'm going to work on this task, this small bit of the larger task that I have to do. I'm going to work for it at 20 for 25 minutes. And also about doing one thing at a time. We spoke as well about planning and the importance, especially when you're feeling overwhelmed and so busy, is to take a step back from what you're doing and I suppose look at the the bigger picture and, and what is it that you're trying to achieve because sometimes we get so caught up in being busy and doing stuff and feeling busy and you know feeling busy makes us feel important as well um that we sometimes lose sight of well what is it that we're actually trying to achieve maybe we don't have to do everything that we've taken on board and there's some things that can come off our to-do list and we'd be less busy and more effective and more productive in what it is that we're trying to do. He also spoke about thinking inside the box. Now that's something I'd never heard before and I was really intrigued by. It's not about thinking outside the box and thinking about doing things differently. It's about restricting yourself and thinking, okay, in this situation I'm currently in, how can I exhaust all of the options that I have available to myself? So I thought that was a really interesting perspective and slightly different to anything I'd ever heard before, certainly. So I hope you enjoyed listening as much as myself and Jason enjoyed recording it. As always, if you have any questions, please feel free to reach out. If you want to connect with me, similar to Jason, I'm on LinkedIn. You'll find me on Aoife O'Brien. That's A-O-I-F-E O'Brien on LinkedIn. Um, My website is empowermentcoaching.ie and my email address is Aoife at empowermentcoaching.ie and keep the emails coming. I love hearing hearing from people about shows, about what they're doing differently based on what they're listening to. Uh, So definitely keep those coming and I'll speak to you again next week. Well, there you have it. Thanks for listening to the Happier at Work podcast with Aoife O'Brien. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button and don't forget to rate and review the podcast.